This is the Bob McCallum Podcast, and it is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. McCallum here with John Shannon. And uh, trade deadline is looming large. Yeah, we're actually going to start our coverage Tuesday and go all the way to Friday. Oh, we're going to – great. <laughs> so un- unlike the, the two Canadian networks who are going to be well, going to do their 8- or 10-hour, 12-hour marathon. All the trades have happened, Bob. I mean, it's, it's – Oh, well, I, mean, I know. Everything, as our old buddy Bob Cole would say, everything is happening. <laughs> well, well, you know, what, what are you going to see on Friday? What you're going to – is is I guess a bunch of fourth liners traded for draft picks. Yeah, lots you know, of there's singing gonna be and dancing. That. Lots of singing yeah. and dancing. So. But as far as significant deals, I guess there are still a couple. We'll find out what our our pals think on today's program. Eric Duhachik and uh, Scott Burnside, as we discuss the trade deadline, what's coming up, what has happened, and what uh, what we expect to happen over the next three days. Not much, I'm guessing. At least not much of a significance, but we'll see. Uh, we'll take a break, come back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge betrivers.com and we are back McCowan and Shannon with you and uh, we're with uh, Eric Dohachik who's in uh, California uh, Scotty Burnside in Decatur Georgia uh, hockey, hockey hotbeds hockey hotbeds yeah. boys <laughs> well, welcome to both of you um, we are a few days away from the trade deadline and yet it seems as if there's very little to report uh, on the final day, which is when the two networks here in Canada go crazy, uh, we be over the years. It seems to me we've we've been going this direction, where everything used to happen on the last day. Well, now everybody is doing things early. Is there anything left that's of any significance to happen on the, on trade deadline day, Scotty? Yeah, I I mean. I think there's, there will always be a few surprises and, and, you know, we're still waiting on Patrick Kane. Everyone assumes that he'll be a New York Ranger sooner than later. And obviously before 3 PM Eastern on Friday. Um, so that appears like it's done. It's just waiting for the, the formalized, you know, accounting, but you know, I think there are, I still think there are enough interesting uh, players out there and certainly enough interesting teams who would still like to make ads. You know, I'm, We've been waiting for what, Eric, two and a half years for Jacob Chitron to get. Uh, and it, was that the last time he actually suited up? Has he been on trade hiatus for two years now? I mean, he hasn't played in days and days. And so he's waiting to get traded. And that's a, he's an interesting player because he he brings with him not just the rental status, but the kind of player that if he, you know, continues, you know, his 
his profile certainly and his potential suggests that he's the kind of player that becomes a cornerstone or could become a cornerstone addition, which is why I think you'll find potential non-playoff teams in the hunt for him. So he's a big guy. I, I'm still waiting to see what happens. Um, and and we're and really a lot of the Western Conference teams are we're still waiting for the to the shoe to drop in Edmonton and Seattle and you know so there's still there are still teams who would love to add but you're Bob you're right I mean and, and why wouldn't you add as quickly as you could exactly. right like I'm sure Tom Fitzgerald would have liked to have added Timo Meyer two weeks ago but as quickly as you can get players in your lineup you know especially elite players the better it is for everyone because it's not an easy thing and I think the Rangers are going to find that when they try and integrate Tarasenko and assuming Patrick Kane between now and the start of the playoffs it's great to look on paper but it's not an easy thing necessarily and I I think that's a real challenge for Gerard Gallant and the Rangers moving forward and and it is for every team in every year and that's always one of the the really underplayed parts of it. And to your point, Bob, this is, I think is why we've seen a shift from teams that have been trying to add players in the past at the 11th hour. And now we're trying to get two weeks ahead, four weeks ahead, six weeks ahead. I mean, you know, I think last year Calgary kicked off the, the trade season when they had a real good team by picking up Tyler Toffoli with, with a long time to go in, in the season, mm-hmm. because even though Toffoli had played for Daryl Sutter in, in Los Angeles, he was a guy that had to fit in with his new teammates, and you know, it, you know, whether you like it or not, it, it, it helped. It was it was a good part of the strategy. The other thing that Scotty referred to that I think is really true is that it's two completely different trade deadlines depending on whether you're in the Eastern Conference or in the Western Conference. So the East has had this incredible arms race, and when the dust settles at, at the end of the first round, if it's the Devils and, and the Rangers, somebody's going to go home really disappointed and have given up major assets and still lost in the first round. And the same could be said of, of Tampa and Toronto. I don't see that matchup uh, changing at all. Tampa gave up five draft choices, plus a former first rounder for, for Tanner Janot, and, and Toronto's moves have been well-documented elsewhere. So, you know, while we're watching this arms race in the East, those of us that are in the West and focused on the West are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And to, to the, the, the broader question that you asked, Bob, about is there going to be anybody significant still left? There are certain teams that have def- definite holes. And, and, you know, I'm in Los Angeles right now, and I look at the Kings, and on paper, I really like their team. They've done a great job of integrating Kevin Fiala. He's given them the thing they didn't have last year, which is a guy that can break open a game. He's just such a creative player, and they're, they're using him in L.A. like they, they did in Minnesota. Five on five, he's on the third line. So they've got three really good lines five really good defensemen and this massive question mark in goal. And what are they going to do? Are they going to try and ride Phoenix Copley and Jonathan Quick? I don't think you win with, with those. But if you go out and, and get an improvement in goal, that could take you over the top because the West is, is all eight. There's nine teams competing for eight spots, and it's pretty much a flip of the coin. I don't think that there's a favorite. I think there's eight co-favorites mm. when, when the Western playoffs start. And what gets you over the top? Well, if you're Los Angeles and you can upgrade that goaltending position, that could inch you ahead of all these other teams that you're close to. And, and suddenly your window to compete is right now. You better get out, go out there and get yourself a goaltender. I think but that's I, a real critical who's, piece who's the goaltender? now on Friday. Who's the goaltender that's available? 
Well, I, the guy that I would target is the Columbus goaltender, Jonas Carposal. And the reason why I like him is he's a guy that started the year on injured reserve. He's had off-season hip surgery. He had to sign a really cheap contract because there were question marks about, about what his health would be like. So he only makes $1.5 million. And, and he, since his return to the lineup, is, is, you know, has won as many games as he's lost on one of the three worst teams in the National Hockey League. I watch Columbus a lot lately because you know, I, I, they're just kind of an interesting team in that battle at, at the bottom. And he's had a very, very good year. And the other thing that I, I would notice this year, Bob, have you noticed how many teams are doing one-stop shopping? So in, so it, it's not like you're, you're not just taking Timo Meyer. You're also getting Scott Harrington. You're getting that that second piece that you also need in one single trade. That's what the Rangers did when they when they traded for Tarasenko. They also got the depth defenseman that they needed in Nico Macba. So if I'm Los Angeles and I need also a left side defenseman, and I look at Columbus and I think there's Gavrikov, there's Corpusella. Can we get both of those players for the first round draft choice and and something else? You know, a, a young defensive prospect. They got lots on the right side. I just think that you know. And John, tell me if I'm wrong. How many times have we seen this year that, you know, two pieces coming in a single trade and that allows a general manager just to make one trade and meet most of his uh, needs rather than, you know, separate deal for a defenseman, separate deal for a goaltender. I, I think that that's one of the really underrated trends that we've seen in the last couple of weeks that almost no one's talked about. Or, so, or, or man, the manager that's got an asset that everybody wants is able to leverage it. And you say, you have to take this other contract too. That becomes the other factor. But but what you didn't answer, I mean, your explanation was good, but you didn't really answer the question, Eric, which is what? why is the West sitting on its ass and the East <laughs> doing all these deals? This, this is, I mean, are we? is this all to beat the Boston Bruins? And everybody thinks the Boston Bruins are, are are the team to beat, and and there's nobody, there really is nobody to beat in the in the West. You could go on a hot streak and get to the Western Conference Final with your roster today. Were those top t- nine teams? But and I think that I think that's part. Sorry, Scott, I'll, I'll be quick. That that I think that's part of the answer right there. That that the idea is that how much better do you really need to be? And especially if you're a team that's you know the Pacific is is really really tight. I mean, Calgary's fallen off a little bit, but if they go on a bit of a surge because they do have a fairly soft schedule after this week, if they can get back in the mix, there's there's really five teams in the Pacific that are are, are clustered together in, in mm-hmm. such a tight bunch that that it's hard to know who's who's the best there. So I, I but I do think that Edmonton for for one is is a team that is going to be very active uh, you know today they created contract uh, or, or salary cap space by moving Jesse Puliarvi to to Carolina and they will i think address the things that they need to get better and to help Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl uh, uh, get over the top i think it's just it's taken a long time to to sort out whether they can make the Carlson trade or if they do make it, do they make it in the summer? That, I think, has held things up there. They're, they're another team, in addition to Los Angeles, that I think is going to be active between now and Friday and will come out of this in a, in a much improved state. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, we, we often refer to it as, you know, the arms race. And the, but I haven't looked today, but I think last time I looked a few days ago, Seven of the top eight teams in the NHL were in the Eastern Conference, in fact, and I think there was a tie. So really, you could argue the top seven teams in the NHL were in the Eastern Conference. And I and I also think you have to look, John, where 
where are teams at in terms of their evolution? You know, I spend a lot of time in Carolina and provide some content for them. You know, that's a team that is their second in the NHL right now. And they haven't outside of the Pujarvi move, haven't made a move yet, even though they've got North of $10 million in cap space, but they're a real good team. Mm -hmm. And if Freddie Anderson stays healthy, I, I would love to see a Boston Carolina conference final. And to me, it's a coin toss, but the Rangers are in, you know, they, they have emerged so quickly and evolved so quickly. And Chris Drury had all this cash space. Why not add Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, which is what we assume will happen. New Jersey, same thing, you know, Tom Fitzgerald, you know, he, that team has been waiting on the edge for two or three years now and it hasn't happened. All of a sudden they're there and it's like, well, why not? Like, why not now? And, and I think that's, you know, Boston, the window hate this term, but you know, how many more shots do Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and, uh, you know, David Pasternak is going to need new contract and Crutchy comes back. How many times are they going to have a chance like they have this year? Well, and then Tampa, you know, Eric alluded to it. Basically, Julian Breeswell said to Nashville, take whatever you want <laughs> from our draft pile and give us Tanner Janot because we've got another run in us. And, and I, I mean, Toronto, I love the, I love the job that Kyle Dubas has done, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, I think will find new life in Toronto, basically playing at home and Noel Chari and McCabe coming in to fortify the back end. I still like Tampa in that seven game series, given the way that roster constructed, but, and Eric's absolutely right. After 14 days, one of those teams is going to go home. Now they're not going to fire anybody in Tampa, but I'll tell you if it's Toronto that goes home and I would put my money on Tampa right now, there will be a wholesale bloodletting there and that's just that's how i think where the stakes are at in the east and it's different than really anywhere in the west i think except maybe Edmonton. but boston is has been so good right now like if i'm a general manager i'm looking at the bruins and saying you know can we get good enough to be better than them and the answer is probably no you can't so why are all the eastern teams doing all this juggling are they, are they, well, are some of them want to win a playoff series. <laughs> well, I guess so, but yeah. you know, you, uh, can you beat Boston? Like, if I'm in the West, I'm thinking, I, you know, I make one move, I might be in the Stanley Cup final. Totally. And it's been well, backwards. It's been the other way around. Is all the deals have been in the East? Teams yeah, trying but, to chase their own tail. It seems to me. Yeah, no? you know, it's well, it's funny though, Bob. You remember, uh, like, Tampa won a couple of consecutive Stanley Cup. Uh, Cups, but the year before they went on their run, they had the best team that they've ever had in terms of a regular season record. They were unbeatable. You know, I, I remember writing my playoff preview and it's like, should we just hand the Stanley Cup to, to Tampa Bay? And then they lose to an eight seed and they got swept by an eight seed. And it was and at the end of it, it's like, what just happened? And yeah. and John, you'll remember this. Scotty Bowman, all those years that he had those great teams in, in Detroit. Often the teams with the best regular season records didn't win in the playoffs, and the teams that won championships were the ones that mucked around and and you know, had you know a few bad losing skids and and you know kind of got it together right at the end. So I mean, the one lesson that we've learned from watching the NHL playoffs is that anything can happen, and and, and often it does. So simply having the best team does not necessarily guarantee you having the winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, if if it goes according to form in 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 that division, Boston will advance out of the first round, Tampa Bay will advance out of the second round. And now you've got 
Tampa's unbelievable playoff pedigree, uh, a goaltender that you know that has won and won and won in the past against Boston. Be a, it'll be a great series if it gets to that. But you know there, there'll be as many people picking Tampa Bay to beat Boston in the second round as mm-hmm. as, as picking Boston over Tampa Bay. I I, I think. I think the way the, the, the playoffs are this year is patently unfair, but I also think it sets up for unbelievable viewing in the first round, second round, third round. The possible matchups we're going to get are are going to be fantastic. Before you jump in here, Scotty, I'm I, I'm just I, I know both of you think that Tampa can beat Toronto, and I, it's certainly possible. I think the Maple Leafs, if they have home ice, I think the Maple Leafs have will beat Tampa. I think yeah. that's how close that that rivalry is. That extra game at home this season will be the difference maker. And let's face it, I, I think when when you talk about experience to win, and you know the acquisition by Kyle Dubas of Ryan O'Reilly of how to win a key game, because that's something that this team has never had really. He's tried to get it year after year after year whether it was Giordano last year, whether it was Felino the year before, to find somebody to go into that dressing room and said, boys, here's how to win. And Ryan O'Reilly knows how to win. And I think that that in the end will be the difference maker if the Maple Leafs have Omice. Because that's the big difference maker to me is who has the extra game in that series, Scotty. Yeah. I, I You know what? I mean, listen, the Leafs are, you could do a whole, you know, doctorate on on the Leafs and their playoff woes and what you know why have they been you know why has it been since 67 right I mean and because it's fascinating especially given this new generation this team call it the Matthews era or whatever you know getting so close every year and not being able to win one critical game every single year and and at some point listen how you know we revise history because that's that's what we do and that's what history does to us but how many you know how often did people refer to Alex Ovechkin as a choker and the caps were chokers and they couldn't get it done and you know and and in in 2018 they're down two nothing against Columbus make a goaltending change win game 3 in overtime right. after Columbus if i'm not mistaken hits a crossbar yeah they're this close to being done in the first round they win a Stanley Cup it changes the whole trajectory for that franchise, for Ovechkin, for Backstrom, for Barry Trotz, who goes on. You know, I mean, there were there were a lot of people who carried a lot of baggage. And then they got it done when people said, well, this team will never get it done or this coach will never get it done. The Leafs have that opportunity. But boy, they it's going to be it's going to be epic because this Tampa team, it, it, they're so good and they know exactly what to do. And I, you know, I understand this a lot. I love Tanner Janot in that lineup. Like, I just, I, he is a, an absolute wrecking ball. Well, obviously, Julian yeah. Brisebois does too. Here's what I love about Julian Brisebois, and, and it goes to this whole mindset at the trade deadline, especially. He, I thought his comments were completely candid. Those picks, all the things that they shipped, even Calfoot, all those assets they shipped to Nashville have no use to him and they have no use to that roster. And they may not have a use to that roster if they kept them for four or five years. And so he's like, I don't care. Yeah. What, what's the famous, what's the famous Dra- draft Fletcher draft schmaff. 
it's not you it's not real anymore because you have to draft and develop yeah but tampa has done that and now they're at a point where they are draft schmaft we're going after another cup and and i'm with you john that first round is going to be epic i don't think it's going to matter a i don't think the Leafs are going to hang on to home ice advantage but I don't know that it matters because I think that Tampa team, I don't think they care whether they played all seven games in Toronto because I think that's their mindset. Well, <laughs> well not to make this a Toronto conversation, but uh, look, don't your best players have to be your best players in the playoffs? And that has been the problem with the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least one of them, is that their best players have not performed in the postseason. You know, Matthews and Marner have been well Marner Marner's been specific. good though Marner's been good Bobby in the playoffs Marner was Marner was fine Austin yeah. Matthews was an issue John Tavares was hurt the year before you know what I mean so yeah. well but your best players have to be good yeah yeah and and yeah. we talk about we know who the best players on the Toronto Maple Leafs are and yeah do you have confidence that they will bring their a game when the once the postseason arise because I, I don't I do. anymore yeah I do no I, I I put it this way I think it, I think that series when it comes to position players, is a coin flip. And if anything, it's slightly in, in favor of Toronto. To me, the issue is, is Samsonov going to be able to compete against Vasilevsky head-to-head? And if he can give them a level of goaltending that we've seen from him lots this year, if he can give them that level of goaltending, then, then absolutely, I think Toronto can beat Tampa. But if you look at what those players have accomplished in their respective careers. When push comes to shove, Vasilevsky finds a way of getting it done. Sure. And in Samsonov's case, there was a reason that Washington let him go basically for nothing this year because they didn't feel that they could win with him. And they went out and signed Darcy Kemper thinking that coming off of the Stanley Cup in Colorado, he could be the missing piece. And then, of course, that's been a miscalculation for a lot of years. Some of it, you know, not within Washington's control. And now they're a seller. So, you know, that's the nature of, of the game. What do we always say? You know, they play the games for a reason. And and so, I I mean, I, I think Toronto has a chance. If the, if the goaltending is reasonable, um, it doesn't have to necessarily steal them games because I like their 18 position players in front of the goaltender. But what a game seven, Vasilevsky against Samsonov, a hard time picking against Vasilevsky. Well, of course. Hey, uh, hey, Scotty, do you think Dundon and Waddell are going to feel the heat to do something here before Friday? Yeah, sure. I, I, there's no question that they will feel the heat. And I think, you know, our good friend Pierre Lebrun has reported, you know, they were hot and heavy in on Timo Meyer, which I think everyone expected. And, and listen, you know, let's not, you know, Timo, you know, Mike Greer and Tom Fitzgerald, good strong connection between the two that you know Mike Greer in San Jose and Tom Fitzgerald in New Jersey and you know I I I people have wondered aloud could Mike Greer in San Jose have done better on Timo Meyer I don't know pretty early to tell but uh, you know Carolina is in on that you know here's what I think there's never a question of should they go for it in in Carolina right Tom Dundon's all in every year they're a cap team He's done things to, you know, they take on Patrick Marlowe, which is a cash outlay for the owner in order to get a first round pick. And that becomes Seth Jarvis. So they don't, they're not cutting corners in Carolina, which was the case for a long time under Peter mm-hmm. Carmanos. That's just the reality there. But I had this conversation. I was talking to Trip Tracy this morning on a, for a story I'm writing about Andre Svechnikov and Andre uh, and Marty Nechas. 
two young players who are having ex- really extraordinary series, especially seasons, especially Netchask. Their best players were not very good against New York in the second round last year. Blew right. a two nothing series lead, lose right. game seven at home. Freddie Anderson was hurt, didn't play two playoff years in a row. Okay, so you know, would you are they a better team with Timo Meyer? Of course. Could this team win a Stanley Cup if they don't add beyond Jesse Pujarvi, or if they add, you know, they're going to add some depth defense, I think. Um, but it's not going to be. I, my guess is it's probably not going to be a home run, but can you win a Stanley Cup with a team that plays as well as Carolina plays with a healthy Freddie Anderson? I think you can. And then, but that's the great part of this, right? Like we talk about, listen, Kyle Dubas has pushed all his chips in. He's playing, you know, this is the end of the contract for him. This is the end of the road. They don't win at least a playoff round, right? I think everyone understands that. So they're, you know, this is a Carolina team that, they will be subject to a lot of uh, a lot of scrutiny if they don't make a move, and you know e- even if they lose in the second round to New Jersey or the Rangers, there'll be a lot of questions asked. But if they go to a conference final and they don't make a significant move, well, you know again that would they you know they'll have to they will be justified in having followed the path that they did. And I guess it, to me it comes down to this. And it's the same in, for every single team. What do you believe in your heart of hearts about your roster, right? Like Eric was talking, this, you, can the Kings really, you know, go to a conference final with Phoenix Copley? I think they can, frankly. But, you know, can you do that? Yeah, ask those hard questions and, and believe in your answers. And if the Canes look around and say, you know what? You know, yes, we can add here. We'd like to power plays not as good as it should be and maybe add a left-hand shot defenseman. This team is a good team with the potential for greatness. And in part, it's because of their young players who've really emerged. Nichas, Svechnikov, yeah. Seth Jarvis is having a much better second half. That's a real good team. And Brent Burns is going to get better and better there. You got Paul Stastny. I'm just saying, yes, there's pressure to do it. But if you don't do it, you just got to believe that you're right in not doing it. See, the one thing I would I would just say there, uh, Scotty and Eric, is um... – and I, I'm I'm a I'm a closet caniac, an admitted closet caniac. Have been since 2006. Just love going there. Love watching the people, the, the tailgate. It's a it's just it's one of the great atmospheres yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think they have a killer instinct. I, yeah. I, I I and I think that it it's funny they're missing. In in my world, they're missing Patrick Kane. In my sure. world, they are missing a sniper of all snipers. They got lots of 24 goal scores. Yeah. But when they go down 2 nothing to the Rangers, who's going to grab this team and say, come on my back and we're going to get through this? I don't see that there. You know, Jordan Stahl's a lovely player, but can he do it? No. Sebastian Ajo, can he do it? No. That's why Burns might be the guy to do that. But yeah. – I don't see offensive. If they this, that's what Max Pacioretty was supposed to be, and of it hasn't happened. So they got to find a way to replace a guy who really hasn't played for them yet. <laughs> you know the interesting thing here is, you know, it, it occurs to me is, you know, we're talking about, you know, I don't know, fifteen teams that are tr- are are making moves, trying to get better. Well, guess what? 14 of these moves won't work. Right? 14 out of 15 will sure. not work. They'll they'll lose somewhere along the line. And they'll and 
probably a, a good number of those losses will be to the Boston Bruins, who have been good all year. Yeah. You know, it, it, it occurs to me that trade deadline has become overrated. It's 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 fake. It's folly. You know, we they make all these moves, and really, they they aren't moves that maybe they make the margin make a team marginally better, but not enough to make a difference in the postseason. Yeah, but I, well, know, I don't think that's okay. true, though. Like, I mean, let's go back to a year. And what did Colorado do? You know, Josh Manson, Arturi Lekkanen. Andre um, Cogliano. Cogliano. Cogliano, Jack Johnson. It was Jack, maybe he was there all year. But anyway, and Jack's back now. So anyway. Well, that's <laughs> one team. What about the other <laughs> 10 or 12? Well, no, I, well, that, that's, the the team that that's the team that won. That's the team that won. Yeah. Well, what about I, well, the 10 or 12 that didn't? Well, okay. Yeah, Tampa got to the final, and they made a, a move last year similar to the move this year for Hagel, which everyone thought was a massive overpay, and he was an important piece. But, but Bob, I agree with your essential point, which is that you win a championship when you have the essential framework of a championship team in place. So look, the, the whole point of, of the teams that, have, that are adding these pieces are they believe they have the framework of a championship piece in place, and now what are they doing? They're trying to fill the holes that they've got and, and to create the depth. Because if you are one of those teams that is lucky enough to advance past the first round, past the second round, past the third round, you're likely going to get injuries along the way. And so someone has to be available to step in and be able to play your system and play at a high level when, when the stakes are higher than they've ever been. So that's what we're seeing. I mean, you're, you're seeing big names changing places, but the reality is, you know, if, are the Rangers going to win without Shesterkin, Fox, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider. I mean, they're the fundamental pieces. These pieces coming in are, are great supplementary additional pieces, but they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't think they had the framework in place. And that's, again, what I like about Carolina is because there are always a certain number of teams that are greater than the sum of the individual parts. There's not many of them. A lot of it has to do with words that, that you know, we hear over and over again, culture and chemistry. And in this particular case, I think the coaching and leadership of Rod Brindamore. And that's why I've been on the Carolina bandwagon lots this year, too, because on paper, if you break it down player by player from the, the top end of the roster to the bottom, they're, they're a good team, but they're not a great team. But the sum total of what we see on the ice is a team that swarms the offense, has the puck all the time, creates turnovers. Yeah, it would be nice to have a finisher or two or one, an additional finisher or two, but, but they just seem to have something going there. And I think the risk sometimes of going out and adding a major piece is that you take away part of the fabric of what of makes course. it successful yeah. right now. Yeah. So so I, I don't mind them standing pat. And I would like to ask Scotty if he thinks that a guy like, say, Nick Schmaltz, who has had this quietly, really effective year in Arizona, might be a piece to go in there because – you know, Scotty and I compete in the same fantasy league, and and Schmaltz has been on my team. And of course, you watch your own players much more closely than everyone else's. And it's like, when did this guy become next level good? Like he's he's you know you think Nick Schmaltz, eh. you know what he? I, I looked it up uh, yesterday. Nick Schmaltz is scoring at the same pace as Timo Meyer right now, zero point nine one points per game, and he's done that for two years. He's had more points than Svechnikov. He's had more points than Kopitar. I mean, he's one of these quiet guys that because he's making a lot of money in Arizona and they probably don't want to pay him the money that, you know, the actual dollars that are in that contract, 
he could be one of those subtle pieces that that makes a difference. And, you know, I guess lots of us think that Carolina is, is a team that could take that money because right. they've got the cap space. Yeah. You, well, want, you want a response, Scotty? We got a break. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's possible. I mean, the Pugliari thing is interesting unless they're going to turn it, turn him somewhere else. And again, I do think they'd like to add on the blue line and because you, you just as good as they are on the back end, the depth is is critical. So, you know, but Schmaltz is a guy I, a lot of people have identified now with the, the big hitters going elsewhere. And yeah, and it, and it might again, you you mentioned the, you know, the culture, that's a buzzword listen lots of teams want it it's a real thing i think in carolina i think you know they're looking at who could come in and and play the way rod brindamore wants to play he's a very demanding guy right i mean you can't you can't you don't get to come in and and take the the big loops right you don't get to you can't play that way there so maybe schmaltz is that guy but uh, you know there certainly is going to be pressure on Don Waddell and that team to keep pace with the Joneses in the East, because man, there's, that's where the power is. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, stick around. Eric Dahachik, uh, Scott Burnside are with us back after this. When was the last time everyone agreed on what's for dinner? You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and someone is always craving Froyo. Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with our default contactless delivery setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BOBCAST23. That's 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BOBCAST23. Don't forget, that's code BOBCAST23 for 25% off of your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. McCowan and Shannon, along with uh, Duhachik and Burnside, as we uh, get ready for this, the end of this week and the uh, the playoff or the uh, trade deadline. Um, and a lot of deals have been done so far, and maybe most of the big ones are finished. John, you know, you know, uh, uh, Bob Scotty mentioned a team that he thought was kind of in that Toronto esque situation if they don't win a playoff round, and that's Edmonton. Uh, you're if Kenny doesn't do something, you think that uh, the impatience is going to grow there? Or they have to do something for sure? Yeah, I mean, it, listen, team went to a conference final last year. So, you know, there's a certain leash there. But I, but I also think there is a, you know, you got to build on that. And so it certainly might, you know, you can't be one and done. And they easily could be. I mean, talk about, we talked, you know, we talked in, Eric was mentioning the Kings and Jonathan Quick and Phoenix Copley and, you know, what happens there. You know, is there a team in the Western Conference alone outside of Dallas and Jake Ottinger that doesn't look down at their goaltending and go, I wonder what that's going to look like in April. And Edmonton is no different, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, is it Jack Campbell? Is it, is it Skinner? Is it like, what's that look like? Because, it's all over the map, but same thing in Seattle, same well, Calgary may not make the playoffs. And, and if they do, it's, it may be with Bladar the man and not Jacob Markstra. Right. So, you know, Edmonton, I guess my point on Kenny Holland is yes. Could, could you add a scoring winger to, 
help balance out that top end, you know, to, to allow Drezidel and McDavid to play together if they need to. And they're so top heavy and the back end probably could use a nice, you know, Gavrikov would look okay there, I think, or, you know, I mean, Jacob Chitron's been talked about Eric Carlson. I don't know that those, either of those players, frankly, help in the short term, but this is a team with, with more holes than your average Stanley cup contender. And it's counterbalanced by having the absolute best player mm. in the world by a country mile and a half. But can you win a cup that way? I, I don't know. Can you get out of the first round that way? Eric, I would argue that they need two defensemen in Edmonton, not one, two. You, 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 you won't get an argument for me. <laughs> you won't get an argument for me. And so, I do think that that's one of the, the areas that they're targeting. Think about think about the guy from Viking, Alberta, who's six foot five and playing in Seattle right now and is on an expiring contract, whose name has come up a lot, Carson Soucy. I, I think he would be one of the, the potential pieces. It sounds as if the, the Carlson stuff, is, if it ever happens, is not going to happen right now because it's just too complicated a, a trade to, to make at, at the trade deadline. But, but, John, you know the organization better than anybody here. I would say that that the one thing I see happening in Edmonton is they look at McDavid and Dreisaitl and they see modern day versions of Gretzky and Messier. And then they look at the defense that they've got and say, what's the modern day version of Paul Coffey? Mm-hmm. And then you look at San Jose and there's Eric Carlson having this monstrously fantastic bounce back season and thinking to themselves, that's the modern day equivalent of Paul Coffey. And if we have those three guys on the ice all the time, then can we can we outscore our mistakes? I mean, but but can Kenny Holland make make that deal? Can't make Carlson at the deadline. I don't think. No, no. I don't. So then, I don't think so do, either. Well, I don't think economically okay, so then, they can make okay, that deal. So the poor man, poor man's Eric Carlson is John Klinberg. So he's had a you know uh, he's had a poor first half going into the All Star break in Anaheim and been better lately and seems to be healthy again, which was an issue for a little while. And here's a guy that will be strongly motivated to have a strong finish and a good playoff. Think about all the money that he left on, on the table last summer when he didn't re-sign with the, with the Dallas Stars. Everyone in the world will forget what October to January looked like for John Klinberg. If he can join a team, be a difference maker in the final four to six weeks of the season, and then, and then be an impactful player in the playoffs. Because that's what teams care about, right? This guy, can a guy be impactful in the playoffs? And then if you look back to the bubble playoffs, he was an impactful player. So I think he's the poor man's Eric Carlson and a lot easier to get because he's on an expiring contract. Anaheim is willing to take money back. Somebody somewhere I think is going to get like to me, he's one of those underrated. We're not paying much attention to him kind of guys because he hasn't played very well this year who could ultimately be somebody we're talking about deep into the playoffs as wow, That was a really smart pickup at the 11th hour. And, and the other one I think you have to add is a, is another Sweden. I think you have to add Matthias Ekholm out of Nashville. Uh, I I think that when you when you look at what the Oilers need, they because everybody talks about well, everybody's asking for a puck moving defenseman, get the puck to the forwards. They need help in their own zone first, and yeah. Ekholm's probably better at that, and still can add that little bit of that puck moving uh, capability as as well. So. But I, I think that you really need two defensemen in order to try to fix the the woes of a team that, you know, can score at will 
with everything they have going, they, they're still scoring well. Evander Kane's not in the lineup yet because he's hurt again. Uh, he's coming back in 10 days. So, you know, fix your blue line and you might be okay. Right. That's And so that's, that's a, you know, Susie and Ekholm to me would make a lot of sense for the for, for the Oilers in this situation but that's that's just my personal opinion that's they're not phoning me and asking me believe it or not well you know and, but, and John I would tell you that you know so if the price for Ackham is two first round picks and it's 6.25 million which Nashville is going to what eat two million of that so Ekholm for 425 at the age of 32 for three playoffs and the cost is two first round picks well it's Julian Breeze why he says yes right yeah that's right he does. Yeah. He, he says yes, and I and, and that might be the pressure. That uh, now it may not be two first round picks if you can give them a first round pick and one of or a couple of your prospects too. The Oilers right. have done a good job in the last uh, four or five years of keeping their first round picks and trying to nurture them. And are they, are they prepared to give up that? That's that's one of the other key aspects. It's going to well, be they, listen. The Oilers are getting a defenseman, at least one defenseman. I've been assured of that. The question is who. <laughs> Who will go there before Friday at three Eastern time? Well, you want a difference maker though, don't you? Well, but Bob, there's there's difference makers in a lot of different ways. So we're talking about, and I'm guilty of this, of, of, of an offensive difference maker. But what John is talking about is Ekholm is a defensive difference maker. Yeah. And that's what they need more than anything right more now. More than I, anything. I don't, dis- I mean, I don't they, disagree. They but... to replace Adam Larson. If, if they could just turn the clock back and bring back a four or five years ago version of of Clefbaum and, and Adam Larson, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation because the four or five year versions of those two guys would be pretty great in that lineup today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and I think that's the that's why you see the value of you know Dmitry Orlov, who's a a nice player on an expiring contract, but he like to to Bob's point, you know he does he may not move the needle in terms of the common fan who says, "Geez, I don't see him on the power play or." You know, what's he got, you know, whatever it is, right? He's, he, that's not what, but what he does is fortifies an already formidable blue line. And I think that's the, those are the pieces that Edmonton lacks. And and I, I just, I don't disagree at all, John. It, at least one of those kinds of players and probably two yeah. makes you a lot better. And that's why the, the cost, you know, the cost is going to be through the roof for Matthias for for you know any of those players that can fit that need is going to be far greater than if you just looked at the players and their skill set and you went geez really a, yeah. a first and a second and a prospect for you know this guy who's 34 or 32 or whatever so but that's the reality if you don't have those kinds of players if you don't have enough of them yeah you can't win the playoffs with with and 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 Scott I mean with cost certainty for three years, yeah, cost certainty for three years in this in this business in this you know we're going to have a four and a half million dollar increase in the cap. Oh no, we're only going to have a million. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a bad thing to have either. So, yeah. so yeah. let me ask you this, John, just on on that quick note. So everything I hear is that cap is flat for this year, and it could go up by a significant amount in two years' time. So as a manager, do you anticipate that, you know, I have one more year of dealing with these flat cap issues, but if if two years down the road, you know, the escrow money is paid back and all of a sudden the cap jumps $6 million or $7 million, now I've got a bit of a buffer. 
does that affect decisions made today? Because you can structure those contracts and, or, or your acquisition costs in, in terms of, of anticipating a big jump in two years' time, which I think most of us believe is going to happen. Well, uh, I'm not so sure about that. If we figure out what's going to happen with all those regional TV rights in the United States coming up, that's yeah, going to be a bit of a point. problem. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but, yeah. but that, that's, one of the, that's one of those things where, as the manager, now what you do is you say, listen, here's plan A owner and here's plan B owner. Yeah. You make the decision. <laughs> I'm not making that decision because it's, it's here's what I here's you know this is what we should be doing or we can do this, but I don't want you coming back at me in 18 months when the cap is flat and saying, well, you made me do this. I didn't make you do this. You make that decision, owner. <laughs> and by the way, every owner wants to make that decision in this day and age. You know that as well as I do. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I still think one, I've, I've mentioned this many times on the program, I still think one of the big problems with the GMs in the NHL is they spend to the cap. There are too many teams spending to the cap. Yeah. And if I was a GM, I, I, I'd say my cap is $5 million under, under. So it's, what, 81 now? Something like that. 83.5, I think so. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So spend 78. Well, uh, that's at, what at I think a lot of teams, teams I think a so lot of teams have that try money to, do to that. spend now. What? Yeah. I think a lot of teams do that, Bob. And then three injuries come up, and then you know, and then 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 their superstar guy uh, ends up going well, right whatever. to the owner. And then I mean, it's it's all it's the human aspect of the cap. It's the problem. It's not the cap itself, or the theory behind it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, okay, can I raise a, Can I raise one question that that we haven't talked about because we we were talking about the Western Conference as the the, the little sister of, of the NHL right now and. The one team that that I cannot figure out at all, but it has it, it has the the element that we talked about in the East when we talked about Vasilevsky. So the Winnipeg Jets have Connor Hellebuck, who is having this incredible season. You know, I think he's going to win the Vezina Trophy for sure. He'll be a finalist again. So if you examine the goaltending of all of the the teams that are going to make the playoffs this year in in the West. You know, with the exception of Jake Ottinger, who's young and still unproven, but had a heck of a playoff last year. Connor Hellebuck is so far ahead of everyone else that is he enough of a difference maker? Because that's a team that was humming along very, very well mm -hmm. and has kind of hit a little bit of a flat spot right now. Now, that happens to every team and every year, no matter how good how good you are. But is he enough of a difference maker that, you know, that Winnipeg could be one of those teams that just sort of quietly wins around and then wins around and suddenly they're playing in the final four and it's like Winnipeg, hey, Winnipeg, didn't see that coming. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that they could. Because well, they John's been a big Winnipeg fan since day one. Respond, Shannon. <laughs> uh, well, they've had their, you're, you're right about their flat spot. This is the first time in the whole situation, season where they, you know, they've hit their funk at the wrong time. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you what, this is, you know, we've 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 lamented about Winnipeg in the last three or four years about where's their team leadership, where are those guys that pulled them through? Well, where are those guys to pull them through right now? You know, Blake yeah. Wheeler was told he wasn't the captain last year, so is he supposed to pull them through? Mark Shifley, you know, who has had a resurgent year. Nick Ehlers, you know, they you know they've there. This is a this is more of a analysis of character right now for the Winnipeg Jets. Than anything else, I think Niederreiter will help them a lot, simply because he takes a guy that who shouldn't have been in the top six and puts him in the bottom six in Mason Appleton. But in in the end, Josh Morrissey, who's had a hell of a year, 
seems to have hit a little bit of a wall. You know, this has been a good year for him. And you get tired doing that. And so you're right. It's all on Connor Hellebuck. It's all on Connor Hellebuck. And can he do it? Yeah, he can do it. But I'll tell you what, I think Sheveldale has to make one more move. I think he has to go get one more forward to, to really improve their depth. Uh, and that might be the, and that's the West, right? You get two guys yeah. at the key time and you can be in the Western Conference final and you've had a great season. And Winnipeg could do that at any point. So just, isn't this what we talk about though, when you, you talk about these sort of ethereal things like culture and the tightness of a group and, you know, is, you know, what's going on in Boston, can that, does that catapult you to a cup? I mean, who, who knows, but I think it's fair that this, this season is a bit of a referendum on the character and culture and leadership in that room, right? You, yeah. you know, Paul Maurice left and then you make the coaching change and Rick Bonus done a nice job there. And that's a good team. I'm with Eric. I, I, and I, you know, I, I miss Connor Hallebuck when I was describing the Western teams with solid goaltending, but you know, there, there aren't many and he's yeah. one of those guys, but when I watch them play now in this re recent stretch, okay, recency bias, I'm like, what? you know, where, where's the mm -hmm. urgency? You, that team could win that division, give themselves a better shot at a better matchup. You want to avoid playing Colorado, I would think, but you mm -hmm. play, it's a team that doesn't play like that. So at some point, will well, they? And if they don't, then is that not a referendum on the culture and leadership that right. Kevin Chetmeldayoff has built in Winnipeg. Well, he Good gave point. them one last chance. He's given them one last chance to do it. And that's really the key. Before we let you go, uh, Eric, just one quick question, because I know you know him a long time. We haven't talked quick. about David Poyle. You got yeah. two minutes to tell us about, you know, David Poyle. And, you know, it'll be 51 years that he will be leaving as a as assistant GM or GM now. It's quite a story, yeah. really, isn't it? But there's so many David Poyle stories I could tell. But the one that I was thinking about was, uh, John, do you remember when I, my first year in Calgary, I had to try out for the Flames yeah. as a, uh, was participatory journalism was was a big thing back then. So I, you know, I, I skated a little bit with the junior team, the Wranglers, and then went to the, the camp. And the first time, I, I think it's the first or second time I ever met David Poyle. It took me aside. I didn't realize he had this kind of sly sense of humor. And he said, did you ever hear about the Atlanta writer? that tried out for the team last year. And I guess he was a bit of an ankle skater. He said, the first thing that happened is he's going around the ice and he's wobbling and Willie Platt comes up behind him and takes the leg out from under. And this poor guy is, a is, is, a is, a is, a, is a, all over the ice. And, 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 and then I thought to myself, is he telling me something? Do I have to look over my shoulder for Willie Platt? And I, I think he probably was telling me something. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, it, I mean, he was, you know, like he, he was just a, like a charming guy with a sly sense of humor, um, you know, was kind of in Cliff Fletcher's shadow for a number of years and then went to Washington. And I think within the first three weeks, you know, traded away two of the owner's favorite players, brought yeah. in that hall of players from Montreal, changed the trajectory of the franchise overnight and, and has had a, a, a fantastic yeah. career. And, uh, you know, I think the only, you know, unfortunate thing is that, you know, he never won a Stanley Cup along the way. And hopefully, if he maintains some kind of a relationship with the ownership there and acts as an advisor for Barry Trotz as, as he segues in, into this job, that, that it gets done in Nashville at some point and, and, and he'll have a ring to show for it. But yeah, good man, good friend, really like him. 
Me too. I'm happy to see that he's able to leave on his own terms. Yeah, we all met him back at an Atco trailer at the Stampede Corral, oh. Eric, right? <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Boy, times were different, but you're right. We don't have time to talk about how different times really uh, were back then. Right. Thank <laughs> you, boys. We don't, have time to, we don't have time for anything else. we got to get out of here. Mr. Dehachik, Mr. Burnside, thank you both very much. We'll uh, chat again soon, I hope. Look forward. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. Well, our thanks to uh, Eric Dohacek uh, out in California, Scott Burnside in uh, Georgia, just outside yeah. uh, Atlanta. For uh, being with us today, um, I'm not overly enthused about what's going to happen at trade deadline day. Uh, but but you you, you have to be impressed. Nothing. Well, accepted. I mean, th- we are in deadline now. This is deadline. It's just been well, I elongated for three weeks, right? Yes, but that's that's the point, and I tried to make it during the show. Is that you know I remember being on the deadline show. When it first started. I remember when you had, you put your feet up on the desk and you were wearing that ugly leather vest and you said, ah, this is nothing. Yeah, it was, it was nothing, (laughs) but it's going to be less than nothing now. Yeah. Well, I mean, Friday, Friday. Yes. I mean, you know, as we record this, Patrick Kane is still a Chicago Blackhawk. As you record yeah. this, the Carolina Hurricanes haven't done anything big. We expect them to do something big. L.A. has to do something big. There, you know, I, I still think Jacob Chikrin ends up with the Los Angeles Kings more than anybody else. But that's just that's me being hypothetical. Yeah, but um, Chikrin and you're talking Chikrin and Kane. You're talking about guys we've been talking about for a month. Yeah, no, I know. Well, a month. Chikrin's been supposed to yeah. be traded for a year. Well. So. Chikrin, yeah, I, yeah. you know, it's longer than that for him, but he's been sitting for how long? Weeks, a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, that's you know, the, wait, that's the other part of it. And nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. But, and but uh, you know, Vancouver's going to move some bodies. Florida's going to move some bodies. Washington will probably move some bodies as well. And uh, yeah, there'll be enough stuff. But to who keep everybody signi- interested. who of significance? You know, you know what we're what you're ta- what we're really talking about a trade deadline is. Teams that make a move that helps them in the playoffs. That's right. really what we're talking about. We're right. not talking about long-term And most of those deals. have already happened, Bob. Most of those have already Right, happened. exactly. Okay, we got to go. Oh, we do? Yeah. Well, again, thanks to Dehachik and Burnside. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.